come to be here. Romans chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. Without God's blessings, we would not have the liberties that we have in this nation. But as believers, it should remind us of the liberty and the freedom that we have in Christ. If you're not a believer this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. I want you to understand and see this morning, this is what God can free any person who comes to him. He can free from the power of sin. He can free from the bondage of sin that is in your life and has been in all of our lives. For those of us who are believers, I hope that you'll see in this passage this morning that this is how we are to live. We are to live in the freedom we have been given. We are to live in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, Galatians tells us. Begin reading with me in verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the desires, the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your body, the parts of your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, if you are obeying sin, you are, you are a servant to sin. Or are you obedient unto righteousness? If you're obeying and you're following Christ, then you are a servant to righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine or teaching that was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. This is a freedom that's described in this passage that is not based on anything of this earth. It's not based on our race. It's not based on our ethnicity. It's not based on our nationality. It's not based on revolution. It's not based on politics. And wonderful though it is, it's not based on our constitution. There are people who live around this world who lack the physical liberties that we get to experience, and yet they are still as free in Christ as we are. That is why there are those who suffer persecution and those who meet in secret to worship, and they know if they name the name of Christ, they can lose their lives, and yet they joyfully and freely come and worship God. Why? Because they are free. They have liberty in Christ. John chapter 8, Jesus said these familiar words, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if the Son sets you free, therefore whom the Son makes free, ye shall be free indeed. That's the liberty, that's the blessing of freedom that we have. By faith in Christ and by the truth of his gospel, we have been freed. We are no longer under the domination that we once had and once were under. This text is our declaration of independence. I want you to look at it this morning and I want you to see some things that God has freed us from. 
that we are no longer under the domination of, or should live as if we're no longer under the domination. We should live like we're free. I want you to see, first of all, that Paul will say, we are freed from the power of sin. We're freed from the power of sin. Now, I know when I say that, before we look in these verses, that there's many of us who are sitting here this morning, and we don't feel like we're free from the power of sin. How many of y'all have, let me just, just give a good range of time here. How many of y'all have sinned uh, since you've been saved? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you can put your hand up because you sinned by lying when you didn't raise your hand. So now you're in with the rest of us. How many of you have sinned this week? Let me see your hand. All right, how many of y'all sinned since you, no, I'm not going to ask you that. Since you've been here this morning, since the sermon started. Wake that guy up back there and he's sinned for falling asleep during the sermon. We know that we are still, we, we still sin. So what is this freedom from the power of sin? Look what he says in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts or the desires thereof. He says, and don't yield your members, the, the members of your body, your tongue, your ears, your eyes, the parts of your body as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's freedom. Now, this is not freedom to sin. In fact, he says, God forbid, may it never be so. This is not the freedom to go out and do what we want to do. This is the freedom from having to do the things we know we shouldn't do. All of our life, we have been controlled by sinful tendencies, sinful inclinations, sinful desires. People will sometimes use the excuse for sin. Well, I was just born this way. Well, you may have been born this way, but we are born in a fallen, sinful world. And he says, this is, this is something different. We were under the control of those, but through Christ, we are delivered from the bondage of those natural-born desires. Now, Paul is not saying it's impossible for us to sin. Some people call this sinless perfection, that somehow we will reach a state. And what Paul is speaking of here is that we're going to, um, we're, we're going to reach a place where we can't sin anymore. If that was the case, why would he have to admonish us to not sin? He wouldn't have to tell you not to do something that's impossible to do. That's not what he's speaking of in this passage. He is saying that it is now possible for us to not sin. You see, before we were saved, we were, we were stuck on sin. We, were, we chose sin. We could not resist sin. And if we, by some, some strength of our will, were able to not sin, we then would fall, sin to, fall prey to other sins like pride, self-righteousness. So we were continually in sin. We had no, we had, there was nothing else we could do. We were the servants to sin. Nobody ever had to teach us how to sin. We are just born knowing how to sin. You see two kids, and they put one toy in between them, and you don't have to teach selfishness to those children. They're going to know. The Bible says that we go forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. Nobody ever has to teach us to lie. We know exactly. Some have said that the biggest liar in the world is a baby. And that probably offended every grandparent in here, and I'm sorry for offending you. But that baby will wake up in the middle of the night screaming its head off like something terrible is going on. And all it wants is to be picked up by mama or daddy. Nothing wrong with it, but boy, if you believed it, you've got to put them back to bed and let them cry a little bit. They'll get over it. Well, I offended the other half of the grandparents when I said that. 
But we learn very quickly how to manipulate. I've seen children of a very young age who know how to manipulate mom and dad into getting what they want. I've seen them in the grocery store, and I have to resist the urge to practice proverbs on somebody else's child. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And they've not been somewhere along the line. Nobody ever said no to them. They're like David's sons. David never restrained. He let them do what they wanted to do. So the, the urge to sin is there. Even after we're saved, we still struggle. Galatians chapter 5 says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is fighting with the flesh. And some of y'all are sitting here this morning and you're all spiritual and you're saying, well, he's talking about everybody else, but he's not talking about me. Let me tell you that there are, very, there are levels of sin in the sense of some sins are very obvious and open. And we can look at our world and we can see, well, that person's clearly a sinner. But there are sinful tendencies in our heart. You want to find some sinful tendencies in your heart, just get behind the wheel and try to drive to Raleigh during a rainstorm, as I did this week. Try driving around Dunn when it's dry. You're driving along doing the speed limit, trying to be a law-abiding citizen, and some, um, well, as that great theologian Bugs Bunny used to say, some maroon pulls out in front of you, doing 15 under the speed limit. And then you get about 1,000 yards down the road and they turn. I'm getting steamed just thinking about it. Why? Because in our heart, there is still that urge. There's still those things that we struggle with. But instead of now being under the domination of those, do you remember what it was like before you were saved, before God set you free from the power of sin, when that sin was in your life and it dominated and you wanted to be free and you didn't want to do those things anymore and you wanted to, you wanted to give up and people go to organizations, those who drink go to Alcoholics Anonymous and they go to drug rehabilitation processes and they go, people go through all sorts of things. They want to be free, but yet they can't seem to find freedom. God has given us the ability through the work of the Holy Spirit within us and the work of His grace within us. He has made it possible for us to be freed from the power of sin. Not only have we been freed to not sin, we have also been given the ability and freedom to do that which is righteous. Very often we talk about righteousness and the Bible does say that all of our righteousnesses, plural righteousnesses, are as filthy rags in the sight of God. That means before I'm saved, that when I come to God, I may come to God saying, hey, I'm a great, I'm a good person. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. I'm a member of the church. I've done these things. I've done all these good works. And I can bring my righteousnesses to God. And God looks at those and I'm saying, look how wonderful these are. And he's saying, they look like dirty, filthy rags to me. There's no saving value in those good works. But does that mean that it is impossible for us to live righteously when we've trusted Christ, when we are saved? Well, if it was impossible, God would not have commanded us to live righteously. But he has given us the ability. I still live in this flesh, and I still have those urges and desires. I feel, still feel that anger rising up when, when someone drives crazy. And for some reason, the, the, the slow crazies always get in front of me and the fast crazies always get behind me. I'm the only one that's driving the correct speed limit. I don't know why that happens. But the reason that that rises up in me is because I'm still in this flesh and the flesh is fighting with the spirit. 
But instead of the spirit not being there as it was before I was saved, just being the flesh and I was dominated, Paul says, you are no longer under the domination of sin. You don't have to give into it. And not only do I not have to give into it, I can now act righteously. I can say to that fellow driver, God bless you and mean it. You see, we think because we don't do certain things that we're righteous. Because I didn't run that guy off the road, I'm a good person. I refrained. We think, I preached Wednesday night on the use of the tongue, and we think because we don't say nasty things about people, or we couch them in southern ease and we say, bless their heart. We think that we don't do those bad things, that we're a good person, but the Bible speaks about the right use of the tongue. The Bible speaks about positive sanctification. It's not just sanctification that restrains sin. It is sanctification that encourages and enables and empowers me to do right. And in that way, God has freed me. Boy, that is freeing. What do I mean by that? I find that many Christians are frustrated in their Christian life because they know there are things they're supposed to do. They know they're supposed to be holy, but they don't feel holy. They know they're supposed to share the gospel, but they struggle sharing the gospel. They know they should have a prayer life, but they don't have the prayer life they feel like they ought to have. And they're constantly burdened down by that. But by the work of the Holy Spirit and by God's grace, He has freed us to be able to do those things. He has freed us from the power of sin. You see, the power of sin is not just the things we should not do. James says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So God gives us the freedom from that power of sin. The power of sin is deadly. Sin, James chapter 1 says, sin when it is finished does what? It brings forth death. There's a story, illustration of one of the native tribes in the Northwest Territories up in Alaska in that area and how they would capture a wolf. It's a little bit gruesome, I'll be brief about it, but they would take a knife and they'll coat the blade in blood of an animal and they'll freeze it. And then they'll coat it again and again and again and freeze it until the blade is, can't be seen. And they'll stick the handle down on the earth and a wolf will come along and a wolf will smell that blood and he'll begin to lick that blood because he's hungry for it, and he has a desire for it. And as he begins to taste that, that fragrant, taste that, that blood, he begins to also, it soon becomes his blood. And he'll continue. He can't stop because his hunger drives him until he is dead because he could not control his desires. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And there are those who are pulled by those desires, and they engage in it, and they know that what it's, they're doing is harmful for them. They know it is destroying them. They know it is destroying their marriage. They know it is destroying their children. They know it is hurting everyone around them. They know that it is destroying their testimony, and yet they cannot quit giving in to those desires. I want you to know that Christ has enabled us through liberty and through freedom. He has freed us from having to give in to the desires of this flesh. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the victory in Christ. And he has set us free from the power of sin. Look down in, chapter, in verse 17 of this chapter. Paul declares that Christ has freed us from a second chain, a second part of sin, and that is the past of sin. He says, but God be thanked 
that ye were the servants of sin. All of us have things in our past that we like to leave behind. Some of us can't seem to escape our past. The memories, the reputation of our past just continue to, to follow us. I remember hearing a man um, tell my brother and I one time, he went to high school with my mom, and I knew his past testimony. He had partied and did drugs and caroused and drank and did all those things. He was a very, very sinful lifestyle until Christ saved him. And he became a pastor, and God used him in a great way. But he said to us, he said, you young men, he said, you can always live it up, but you'll never live it down. What did he mean by that? He meant that continually there were people that he encountered who remembered what he once was. I want you to know that God frees us from the past of sin. You may have once been a sinner. You remember the verse from a week ago when we saw the passage in 1 Corinthians where he lists all those terrible sins, and he says, and such were some of you. You used to be that, but that is your old identity. Stop living in the past of sin. Stop living in what you used to be. Some people do this, and they mean to promote the grace of God. I remember a man who brought a cassette for my dad and us to listen to. He was going to share his testimony, and he said, I want you to hear this. And we listened to it in 29 minutes on a 30-minute cassette. Um, for you students, that's a, that's a flat, square, rectangle-shaped CD. Zip drive, whatever. I don't, you know, it's a old way of listening to things. It's back there with phonographs and 8-tracks and telegrams and Pony Express. 30-minute side testimony. 29 and a half minutes, he told about all the wicked things he did before he got saved, and he took 30 seconds at the end of his testimony to share that how he had gotten saved and that Christ had changed his life. We don't glamorize what we used to be. That's not who we are. Now, I understand. I love the song, I'm Just a Sinner Saved by Grace, and I know that Paul said, I am a sinner. There is a sense still in which we are still sinners, but I am glad that my identity is not that I am a sinner. My identity is I am a child of God. I have been adopted into his family, and there are those who are burdened, and they are, carry, they are carrying the weight of what they were told their whole life. This is who you are. This is what you will be. You have this characteristic and you're just like this family member and you're going to be this and you're going to be that and a, a child who is told when a second child comes along you're going to be they'll be jealous you're going to be jealous you know what happens when that child comes along what do you think a small child is going to be they've been told you're going to be jealous so they develop jealousy in their hearts and there are those well you know he's just like his uncle he's just got that terrible temper or the color of his hair he she's going to be angry all the time what on earth does that have to do with anything? Some of y'all got no hair. I'm not picking on anybody this morning. Don't start looking around. You don't have to look around. You can see the reflection every once in a while. Now they're all mad. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? That identity that we've adopted. This is who the world says we are. This is who others say we are. I'm not interested in what the world says I am. I'm not interested in what others say, who they say I am. I'm interested in who God has said I am. And God has said, you are my child. You were servants of sin. But that's not who you are. Stop living in a past identity. Stop living in this, using it as an excuse for sin. Well, this is just who I am. 
This is how I was born. If you are a child of God, that may have been how you were born the first time, but you have been born a second time, and you have a new nature placed within you and a new spirit within you, and you are freed from the past of sin, and freed from having to do those things, freed from the power of sin, freed from the past of sin. Don't live in slavery to the past. The prophet Micah says, Who is God like you that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Boy, I'm so glad for a God who delights in mercy. I'm glad for a God that Ephesians chapter 1 says, has made me accepted in his beloved. That's my identity. That's who I am now. That's who you are. Stop living in your past. Stop living in a past identity. You are freed from the past of sin. Maybe this morning you can picture someone with great chains draped over them, and that is they're held back, and they're still living in those chains. There are believers who are still living under these chains, even though they are free. It's like the, the, phantom, the phantom sense that people tell me they have when they perhaps lose a limb, when a foot is amputated or a hand is amputated, that they still have a sense, they still feel, and they, they act as if that's still there. And there are Christians who are living with phantom senses of pain, of sin, that this is, this is who I am, this is what it's like, and we've been freed. Those chains have been lifted. Paul will also say in this passage that we are freed from the penalty of sin. Look down in verse 23 of this chapter. There's a third chain, chain that binds us, or bound us, and Christ has delivered us from what we deserve for our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love what Paul does here. Paul uses two military words in this verse. One is the word for um, the wages. It's the soldier's pay. It's what they've earned. It's what they've deserved. They've put their life on the line. They've risked their lives for others, and it's something that is due. They deserve that. But then he uses a word for gift here that is the idea of the gift that a soldier might receive on a special occasion. Sometimes on the emperor's birthday or on the anniversary of a great victory. A gift was given out of the generosity and the kindness of the emperor. It was something that wasn't earned, wasn't deserved. It was a present, it was a gift, it was kindness, it was grace. And Paul says, what you have received, this penalty of sin that you deserved was death. Sin has earned death. If we got the pay we had earned, it would be death. But what we have received, he says, is a free gift. No strings attached. We've come to think in this world that there's no free lunches. There's nothing free. Some years ago, when we used to still get those calls, those telecalls, robocalls, whatever they were called, and they would say, I've got a free offer for you. And I always would just hang up because I knew it wasn't really free. They would say, hey, if you will come and you'll take our tour of our resort, we'll give you a free week here. I think I tried that one time, and I found out there was nothing really free about it. They took up my whole time wanting to try to convince me and twist my arm to buy something. You get a free gift. 
Even ministries do this sometimes. For a donation of $20, we'll send you a free book. And we've learned there's nothing free, but I want to tell you this morning that the grace of God is absolutely free. Now, it's expensive. It costs God everything. Jesus laid down his life to provide salvation, but it is offered as a free gift. And it's nothing that you deserve. It's nothing that I deserve, but it is the gift of God. And from that, I don't have to experience the penalty of death. On the cross, Jesus suffered death so that we can be freed from eternal death and separation from God. Romans 5 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. He says the law of the spirit of life of Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Freedom. You can experience freedom this morning. If you haven't trusted Christ, you can, you can receive... 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence and millions have experienced the blessings of those freedoms. But Jesus Christ alone signed our independence. And through him, we can experience that freedom. You can be freed from the sin that you're in bondage to. And believers, if you're struggling, let me tell you, by the work of the Holy Spirit, you can live freed from sin. All of these things, the past of sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin... All of this is described in chapter 7. This is the person of sin. And how can we be free from it? Look in verse 24. Romans 7, 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul has just described the war that's going on in his members. He said, the things that I know I should do, I don't do. Any of us have some things we know we should do that we find ourselves not doing? Not measuring up? He said, the things that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. Any of us do some things we know we shouldn't have done or said or thought? There's about two honest people here this morning. The rest of we know that that is true. We are right there with Paul. We know what this feels like, and it is miserable. God, I want to do the right things. I want to pray. I want to share my faith. I want to worship. I want to be faithful. I want to live a righteous life. And I don't want to sin, and I don't want to be angry, and I don't want to lust, and I don't want to commit adultery, and I don't want to murder, and I don't want to do all these things. Who shall deliver me from this wretched man that I am? Who shall deliver me, he says, from the body of this death? Verse 25, we are free. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our freedom and our victory is through Jesus. It is through his work. He is the one. Christ has made us free. It is Christ that frees us from the power of sin. It is Christ that frees us from the past of sin and from the penalty that we deserve and those great chains that we carry on us. We don't have to carry around that burden anymore. We can stop, we can stop having the mully grubs. We can stop having those worries and those things that carry us down and weigh us down. We are freed from the weight of sin in Christ Jesus. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now notice this. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but the flesh the law of sin. Paul says, look, I've got to live free. There's still this struggle. Christians, are you living free? We have freedom. We are free in Christ. Are we living that way? Paul is going to take 
this entire chapter from chapter 6, verse 13. We could look all the way down through here, verse 16, verse 18, 19, all the way into chapter 7 to talk about how we are to live as those who are free. I encourage you to take the time later to read this chapter. Read chapter 6, read chapter 7, and understand the freedom that we have in Christ. This is our declaration of independence. Christ alone, one person, signed this freedom. You can accept the liberty that the cross has provided, and you too this morning can be free. Free from the guilt of sin, free from the penalty of sin, and free from the power of sin. Christians, are we celebrating, are we rejoicing in where we are in Christ? And are we living as we should? Maybe this morning you need to come to the altar and say, God, here's something I've been struggling with. I've been struggling with this temptation. I want, to let, I want to leave it at the altar. I want to get rid of it. I want to be free. Some of you may be carrying around what you were before you got saved. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try, you can't forget. You can't forget something you've done that just has, you feel like it has marked your life. I want you to know that you can be free in Christ. When you begin to receive and understand the forgiveness of God and the freedom that he's given us, that sin can be the past. And God says, I have removed their sins as far as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? Well, let me just tell you this. You go east and see if you can find west. And you'll find out how far it is. It is infinite. God has removed our sins. He says they are cast in the deepest part of the sea. And I want you to know this morning that you may feel burdened, you may feel guilt, but that sin that is under the blood of Jesus, you are freed from that past. So maybe this morning you need to claim that freedom. Say, God, by your grace, I'm going to live in the identity that I have in Jesus Christ. Whatever your need might be this morning, I want to invite you to come to the altar. God is speaking to our hearts. Father, I pray this morning that you will use this word. Lord, I pray that there will be freedom this morning. I pray that there will be those who will be freed from the shackles of sin. Lord, someone here this morning that's never trusted Jesus as their Savior, I pray that this will be the day that they will experience their freedom in Christ. And Father, for believers who are struggling, some are struggling with temptations, some are struggling with the desires of this flesh, Father, I pray that you will free them from that. I pray, Lord, that you will free them from their past, the, the memories and the burdens and the guilt that they carry that they should put down and no longer carry. Father, may they be freed from it. Father, may we be freed to live as we should. Lord, that it's not impossible to live righteously. It's not impossible to live holy. But empowered by your Spirit, we have been freed not only not to sin, we have been freed to do that which is right and to serve righteousness. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and may we obey this morning. We pray 